Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 18, Shades of Grey. Very much not the book. No. No. Definitely not. But I love this episode. Mm -hmm. This is one of my favorites. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about as we dive into it. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Uh, There's a lot that goes on in this episode. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is this is at the top of my list of like, like not just season three, but like all Stargate episodes. This is like in my like top ten at least. <gasps> top ten of all time yeah. ever yeah. ever. Oh yeah. Ooh, wow. Yes. I love Ooh, this that. Episode. Something. Ooh, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we should probably just get to it then. Okay. Yeah, because mm. this one might take a while because there's, yeah, a lot to get into. So okay. So this originally aired on February 11th, 2000. It was written by Jonathan Glasner and directed by Martin Wood. And in this episode, Jack steals technology from the Tolan and is forced to leave the Stargate program. Mayborn offers an intriguing proposal involving his Black Ops team. <gasps> New. So we open back on Tolana and SG-1 are there to begin negotiations for formal diplomatic relations and, of course, trade. Yes. And I just have to say, it's very nice to see Tilk in, like, a suit and not, like, fatigues. It looks nice, yeah. I was like, he he looks good in a suit, so Mm -hmm. I like it. Um, So what do you think in your head they... I mean, we know this was all a setup now, but like, mm-hmm. if you didn't know what sort of diplomatic relations would they have actually offered? Well, I think they mean diplomatic relations in the sense of they will be allies, and if Tolana asks for help, we will provide. And if we ask for help that doesn't involve giving us weapons, they will provide help, I think, as far as well, that kind of thing goes. But that would have been the question, right? Is like, if we would have asked them for help, would they have actually provided it? Because they're always like, no, 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 you can't have our stuff. You can't know our secrets. You can't know anything about us. Well, I think the help would have been them coming with technology and using the technology themselves. If it needed like ships or weapons or something, it would have been people of Tolana coming and using said technology not just like here's a gun but it's like we will come and use the weapons to help Mm. defend you i don't even think they would have done that i think all that they would have offered was just kind of like strategic advice on how to handle things with their own resources that's interesting i think that's as far as they ever would have gone if if it's any sort of effort of them like ponying up their stuff i don't think they would have gone for it well last week they did just say they would send a ship to go get jack who was stuck on adora so i mean i think like that kind of thing okay yeah i guess that's true because it wasn't like actually having anything to do with going to earth with with said technology no that's true Mm -hmm. i think i think and there was any sort of that situation they would be like "Mm, no thanks Mm, okay. Yeah. But anyway, um, so the so the high. <laughs> I'm just kind of wondering, like, 
what Daniel would have actually been. I know. I would. For. I would love to hear Daniel's full speech that he never got to give. I know. Very well researched and very well structured and very well said, and he mm-hmm. never got to do it. Mm-hmm. I feel bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but the high council is like diplomatic relations. Yes, obviously you saved us from the Gould. Yes, of course. Trade still no. And definitely not an eye on cannon. That is for sure out of the question. And like, even if Jack promises it would only be used against the Gould. And well, you know, he can't really make that promise because he's not like the leader of the country. So sorry, still no. You're not getting weapons. You're not getting technology. Sorry. sorry. Those are our rules. So Daniel tries to argue. like, if you let me like make our argument and Jack's just like, you know what? I've had enough. We're leaving. Let's go. And it's like, um, uh, what, what, why, what can, but okay. So they all leave. And on the way out, Jack stops in the hall in front of that thing that like disabled their weapons the last time they were there and just takes it. And Sam and Daniel are both definitely like, um, are you, don't know, please no, are you sure you should be doing that? And Tilk just kind of is like, hmm. It oddly really was easy to steal too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, I feel like that would have been glued to the wall a lot more. A little bit. Um, but yeah, but Jack doesn't care, just takes it and off they go as we then got to the opening credits. Mm-hmm. And what? Mm-hmm. So we then come back and we are in the briefing room and Sam and Daniel are looking a little uneasy over this whole situation and Tilk is just kind of there in his Tilkness. Uh, do you think they would have? Do you think they should have protested like way more? I feel like they should have. I don't see. I don't. It's it's like Sam. I get because Jack is her commanding officer. So I get why she wouldn't really say anything. But yeah, Daniel not really speaking up about what actually happened is a little suspect. Yeah. You know, but I also, but there's also the argument that it seems like Daniel knows like something's up. Like this is not what Jack would do. So I think there's also this aspect of Daniel just kind of playing along to see like what is actually happening because he knows, I think like on the surface, what seems to be happening is not the truth of this situation. So I think he's kind of hanging back to let Jack play it out. Yeah. He does kind of play this whole episode kind of cool. Yeah. Mm, All right. So anyway, so Hammond comes in and they start, you know, filling him in on what's going on. And he asks Daniel, you know, what that the SGC had to promise in return for this, like weapons negating technology. And Daniel's like, well, nothing. And he's like, really, that's fantastic. And then we finally get to Jack admitting that he just stole it. And that just pisses Hammond off very much because they've already had to go through the whole SGC stealing alien tech thing. And Hammond was able to completely deny that the SGC was responsible. And now he can't do that. And they keep arguing. And at some point Jack mentions something about their backup plan, not being approved by the Pentagon. So he's going to do what he's going to do, which is very interesting. 
And uh, Hammond insists that the, you know, as long as he's in charge, the SGC will hold themselves to the highest ethical standards. And Jack is sure that, you know, those ethical standards will come in super handy when the ghoul attack. So uh, Jack is relieved of command because he is just not behaving appropriately. And like, yeah, Bonger's gone insane something. I don't know. And Hammond orders him to the infirmary when we then get an incoming traveler. So Hammond also then orders Tilk to escort Jack to the infirmary and reminds him that Jack is no longer his commanding officer in this scenario. So off they go. And there's no incoming GDO code. So the iris is closed. And we see it start doing that warping thing. And through it come High Chancellor Chavel and another Tolan woman. And they are here to retrieve their stolen property and to tell the SGC that diplomatic relations have been called off. So Hammond asks for a chance to explain what's actually happening here. And Daniel adds that, you know, you're smart enough not to hold the actions of one man against an entire planet, pleading to their, you know, diplomatic side, which I think is smart. Yes. Yes. We then cut to the infirmary where Dr. Frazier can't find anything wrong with Jack. So Jack tries to like that. They went with this angle of like, something's wrong here. Let's find out if something is actually physically wrong with you. Yeah. I mean, you're acting crazy pants. Yeah. I mean, we have dealt with like, you know, brainwashing with like Ryak and, you know, weird alien stuff before. So let's, I do like that. They try to rule out any kind of external, cause of jack's behavior yeah to this to really try and figure out what's really going on so so jack tries to leave the infirmary and tilk's like staying in standing in the door and he's like hey tilk move and tilk's like no i was ordered to keep you here so i'm gonna keep you here until i'm told to do something else Mm -hmm. and conveniently that is the moment when dr fraser gets a phone call and jack is ordered to hammond's office do something else yes so (laughs) So Jack and Tilk run into Sam on their way to Hammond's office and she asks if there's anything she can do and comments that, you know, he hasn't been acting like himself. And Jack insists that he wasn't acting like himself before, but now he is. Um, And then so on their way through the briefing room, they kind of cross paths with uh, Chancellor Travell and the other Tolan woman. And Jack takes a moment to like mouth off to the Tolan because that's what Jack does. And Hammond just like bellows from his office for Jack to get like, like get your ass in here. And Jack does apologize for how he behaved toward Hammond, which is nice, but he's not sorry for what he did on Tolana. So the unfortunate matter here is that this is a court martialable offense and charges will have to be pressed or Jack can take early retirement. And Jack is a little like incredulous that this one little indiscretion is what's going to get him kicked out of the Air Force. And Hammond's like, oh, you think it's one, this one thing? How about five counts of direct insubordination to superior officers and a United States senator, two counts of refusal to obey orders and kidnapping an alien child? Need he continue? So. I did. So I watched this episode twice and mm-hmm. because I wanted to go back the second time because um, I was thinking about it. and. I thought it was weird that they had so much play between Jack and Hammond if, like, both of them were in on this thing. So I went back and made sure that every scene where they had that, like, they were not alone. There was always somebody else in the room that they needed to kind of be performing to. And does that hold up? Yes. Okay. 
It did. Okay, cool. Because that, that's they, not the thing I really, yeah, noticed, but makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I would have thought it was so weird if they were just, like, in the office together, like, having this row, like, no, it's not. But, yeah, they, they were never, there was always someone else in the room. Okay, so that does work then. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this one, this one little indiscretion is the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back, as you will. And this offer of retirement is only so good while Jack is in Hammond's office. So it looks like Jack is going to be retired again. (laughs) Um, So here's my fun fact for this episode. Um, The straw that broke the camel's back. Would you like to know some information about that little idiom? That's what you looked up for the fun fact this that's, time? That's what I looked up Where that up one comes from? I it's, love it. It's the only thing I found that could, like, <laughs> a little fun fact for this week. I love it. What is it? Where does it come from? Okay. So the earliest known version of this um, is from a theological debate on causality by Thomas Hobbes and John Bramhall in somewhere between 1654 and 1684. So this is like... Yeah, much older than I thought it was. Um, So what was actually written down by them is the last dictate of the judgment concerning the good or bad that may follow on any action is not properly the whole cause, but the last part of it, and yet may be said to produce the effect necessarily in such manner as the last feather may be said to break a horse's back when there were so many laid on before as there want but that one to do it. So it initially started as like the feather that broke the horse's back. Mm. and stuff but then there's an interesting um there's an essay from 1724 where the idiom refers to not necessarily the final thing to sort of tip everything over but just that there's so much this the least thing is what like tips it over it says everything must be at rest which has no force to impel it but as the least straw breaks the horse's back or a single sand will turn the beam of scales which holds weights as heavy as the world so without doubt as minute causes may determine the actions of men which neither others nor them they themselves are sensible of so there's sort of two possibilities of whether it's like last as in final or sort of last as in least but it's still part of the cumulative amount of stuff a person is dealing with yeah there are some interesting other variations of this idiom if you're interested in hearing some of those (gasps) i am are they all Uh, related to animals yes oh fantastic wait okay so give me an animal 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 give me an animal um well they're all horses and camels oh man okay i thought you were gonna come up with a frog no oh actually it's just one horse and then the rest are camel Oh, okay. What other things do you put on a camel? Okay, so there's, it's the last feather that breaks the horse's back, which you said earlier. Mm-hmm. It's the last straw that overloads the camel. Oh. It was the last ounce that broke the back of the camel. The last straw will break the camel's back as the last straw breaks the laden camel's back, because apparently camels were also, camel. so the reason, like, we say, like, the straw broke the camel's back is because camels were used to haul straw, like, literally. Right. So, you know, the last straw. Um, and then this final feather broke the camel's back. I'm trying to think of other camel, or, you know, other, <laughs> other animals. We can, what do we have animals that, like, haul things? Donkeys. The last suitcase on the pack mule. I don't 
<laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't really use animals for hauling things these Not days. Not as much anymore, no. The last tree that punctured the truck's tire went. <laughs> it would have to be something about a truck. I, I suddenly thought of carrier pigeons, but <laughs> I don't think that works as well. The last message on the carrier pigeon. Um, yeah, so so there you go. That's that's the straw that broke the camel's back. And now Jack is retired. Yeah, my brain is going to trucks. Okay. Or inappropriately planes, but that's really not good to use because those yeah. carry people. We don't want yeah. that. We yeah. don't want to get that sand going around. So no. Okay. Yep. Okay. All right. Shall we move on? Reluctantly. Yes. Okay. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. (laughs) (laughs) No, stop it. Quick, keep going before I get that in my head. Okay. So, um, so we cut to sometime later and Jack's at home when his doorbell rings and it's Daniel and Daniel's not really sure why he's there, but asks if Jack is willing to share a beer and can, okay, just, this this scene this scene I can't I can't can't with scene I love this scene so much this scene's just like everything I want in a show people and I just oh, I love this scene so much it's the best part of this episode. I also kept noticing that they were all glaringly well lit from all angles. I was like, where's the sun supposed to be coming from in this house? Everywhere. I know. I know. That's just what I noticed. Like they're all because they were all like squinting at each other. Yeah. And that's like, true. yeah. Yeah. But okay. yes, I also loved the scene. So Jack is all yes, beer, no feelings, because Daniel's just trying to understand like what's going on, and he brings up the thing Jack had said in the briefing room earlier about not getting the backup that they wanted. And so Jack tells Daniel that he and Hammond had proposed establishing an off-world base as a secondary location in case the SGC slash Earth was ever attacked and Jack was going to be put in command. But the Pentagon said no to this plan. So Daniel thinks Jack is upset about not getting a command, but no, he's upset because like the Pentagon is still not taking the SGC and what the SGC is doing seriously. And yes, sure, diplomatic relations allies are great, but when there's like Gould motherships in orbit, there needs to be an actual practical way for Earth to defend themselves against such an attack. Mm-hmm. So here... I would like to borrow from the Cobra guys and do a little like Cobra Kai theater, but Stargate theater where um, Rachel and I will be attempting to do our best Jack and Daniel because just how the scene ends. I just, this conversation and this exchange between Jack and Daniel just like warms my little fangirl heart so much, like as horrible as it is, as horrible as it is, like I love it because of like what it does for the characters. And we'll get into that once we're done. Um, but Mikey and Jeremy, thank you for giving me this idea so we can go ahead and do this. So Rachel will be Jack. I will be Daniel. And um, here we go. Take it away. I have just come out of my trailer. I have assessed my motivation. <laughs> and I'd rather be a thief and alive than and honest and dead. It's a cliche, but there it is. If you really believe that, I guess uh, I guess I never really knew you at all. Come on, you're a bright guy. You had to sense some of this. Then no, I guess you couldn't relate to me any more than I could you. 
so this whole uh this whole friendship thing we've been working on the last few years is um apparently not much of a foundation there huh just rip out my heart and stomp on it like come on and is that because you know because you've watched it and you know what's happening and you know that jack is just like playing a role as it were and has to say something like that it's it's because yes but so because of that it's that jack knows Daniel so well, he knows exactly what to say and do to get Daniel to fuck off because he needs Daniel to like fuck off and get away from this whole thing. Like he is doing this to protect Daniel and like insulate him from like figuring out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's just the fact that their friendship is real and is so deep and Jack knows him so well and Daniel knows him so well that Jack has to basically break his heart to get him to go away so Jack can do what he needs to do to like save the SGC. I feel like and we didn't do that scene justice just now. <laughs> do, do, do you want to redo it then? <laughs> All right, do you want to do, do you want to do Jack this time? Nah. Yeah, yeah. Do I identify with Jack more? It sounded like you should have played Jack. Maybe. I don't know. Do you want to switch it and see if we come up with something different? Oh, let's do it. Let's see. Some okay. All right. <clears throat> I'm the one wearing the glasses today anyway. Oh, you are. That's true. Okay. <clears throat> I'd rather be a thief and alive than honest and dead. It's a cliche, but there it is. If you really believe that, I guess. I guess I never really knew you at all. Come on, you're a bright guy. You had to sense some of this. Then no, I guess you couldn't relate to me any more than I could to you. So this uh, whole friendship thing we've been working on for the last few years is... Uh, apparently not much of a, of a foundation there, huh? Oh, I like that so much better. Okay. <laughs> you guys vote. Who did better? <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> oh, but God... Just, ugh, this dude, I mean, maybe it's the shipper in me, I don't know, even, but even just on, like, a friendship level, this works, if you're, like, a shipper like me, this works, like, yeah, this, these are the scenes I love in TV. Rip out heart, put it on table, rip out heart, put it rip, on table. No, rip out heart, put it on the floor, and stomp on it with, like, six-inch stilettos, and just Ooh. tear it to shreds. Ooh. Oh, man. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, so, I mean, well, like, what what did you make of the scene? We've heard my point of view. Like, what did you make of this scene? Um, I mean, yeah, it was it was a really deep scene. I kind of it was different watching it the first time than the second time because this was an episode that I kind of remembered. And I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, for the interest of the show, they make it pretty obviously pretty obvious pretty quick that something is kinky so for the first time I watched it I didn't remember the whole thing until like it unraveled and I was like oh yeah so I kept waiting for like the reveal so mm -hmm. watching it before I knew what the reveal was and then watching it after it does I think have a different emotional effect because because you're watching it from either character right Okay. Yeah. So, so like watching it the first time, were you more like watching it as Jack, and then the second time was 
Daniel once you knew what Jack was doing or was it the other way? The other way around. The first time it was more watching Daniel because you were kind of with Daniel trying to figure out Jack. And then the second time it was more paying specific attention to what Jack was doing. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, but this didn't rip your heart out though, like it does mine. It, no, I'm sorry. Okay. I mean, I thought it was awesome, but <laughs> just just, just rip out heart, put on table, not Stompy okay. Stompy. Okay. Yeah. No stiletto Stompy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, later that day, I think it looks like Jack's still wearing the same clothes. I think Jack's doorbell rings again, and this time it's everyone's favorite slimeball Mayborn. Always in uniform. Always in uniform, yes. Every time. I think yep. he really just, like, sleeps in it. <laughs> he must. Trying to, now then, if I ever see Mayborn out of uniform. Uh, well, mm, I mean, maybe his later. his jacket sometimes, but I don't think he's ever fully out of uniform. Well, I think the first time we see him after this episode, he might be. Oh, we'll have to pay attention. I mean, it's not going to be for a little while. Mm. Um, but anyway... Um, so yeah, so Mayburn's there, and apparently he heard about Jack's little stunt at the SGC in the very passionate way in which he spoke about the need of acquiring alien technology, and he has an offer for Jack. And Mayborn might have a way for Jack to lead a team through the gate to acquire whatever it is he wants. And Jack's like, that sounds like 800 kinds of illegal, so no thanks. And- if you were Mayborn, though... <laughs> wouldn't you think that you'd be like a lot more suspicious if I all mean, of a sudden if yeah, all of a sudden Jack a would say exactly your message I mean when the a, entire time he like said the exact opposite I as Mayborn would have been like mm, hmm. this but seems maybe, a little sus yeah but may, like it would have maybe... if he recruited him to watch him, to, like, me playing you, playing me, playing you. Yeah. Kind of a thing, but that's not what happened here. Mayborn's just an idiot, like, again. I mean, as, as you know, Sam said in Foothold, you're, Mayborn's an idiot every day of the week. Why couldn't he take one day off? Yeah. So. So. Um, Mayborn yeah. rides again. Yep. So Mayborn just leaves his card and says to page him, because that's how old this show is. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> when Jack gets bored. So back at the SGC, the remaining members of SG1 are getting their fourth team member. Daniel thinks they'll get some, like, like a lower ranked officer and Sam will be given command. And Sam's like, that's no, I'm, I'm a major. That's not how this whole military thing works. And that ends up being how it shakes out. Uh, Colonel Makepeace, who was formerly the commander of the SG3 Marines unit has been given command of SG1 as the most senior officer in the field. And Daniel speaks up as the only civilian there about the fact that Sam really does deserve this command. And Hammond does agree that Sam has an exemplary record given her recent promotion to major. But, you know, a major is not a colonel. And Daniel still doesn't get in. And Sam's like, hey, it's fine. Don't. It's like Sam's just like, Daniel, just bring it. It's fine. Sam gets it. Sam is military. Daniel's not. Sam's like, it's fine. So Makepeace then says a few words about being honored to be given the command and hopes that they can trust his command like they did Jack's. And, well, Daniel never trusted Jack's command, but sure, whatever, with more, like, batting of his eyelashes and little, like, flirty smile. Like, why why does Michael do this? I don't know. He he flirts with everybody, and it's really distracting. He does, doesn't he? But I think the really interesting thing here is his comment about how he never trusted Jack's command. 
Because the thing is, he does trust Jack. And I think that's a very interesting distinction Hmm. to make. You can trust Because Sam, you know, sort of being military and also Tilk to some extent, will just be like, Jack gives order, we follow orders. Daniel thinks, is this the right thing to do? I'm trusting you to make a call, but I may be going to question the decision you're making in this moment. And those are two, you know, very distinct and separate things. Yeah. Which is another, which is just another thing I really like that comes out in this episode. Mm, yes. Yeah. So it is now night, a day, a couple days, sometime later. And Jack is looking out the window of his house at apparently a car of guards that have apparently been posted outside his house to keep tabs on him. From I don't I don't know if these are SGC people or like Mayborn people. I'm a little confused as to which organization this car of people belongs to. What do you think? Do you have any thoughts? Uh, I think they're Mayborn people watching okay. him to see which way he sways. Okay. So I can kind of see it going either way if like the SGC kind of wants to maybe just like keep tabs on him for a little bit to make sure he doesn't go to Mayborn's side. Or is it Mayborn's people to see if he does go to Mayborn's side? I feel like it was Mayborn's people watching okay. him to like further recruit, as it were. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so he then sort of sees Mayborn's card that's left on this little doorside table and picks it up. And then apparently pages him because the next day, a day later, a couple days later, uh, Jack's on his patio when Mayborn shows up. And okay, here's my other fun fact for this episode. So the music that Jack is listening to when Mayborn shows up is the aria Vestila Juba from the opera Pagliacci by Leon Cavallo. And so I think this might actually have like some like meaning as far as like what's happening in this episode. So the opera Pagliacci means the clowns in Italian. And in the opera the main character discovers that his wife is having an affair and it's, it's, it's a short, it's a shorter opera. It's only two acts and ends up um, killing his wife and her lover on stage. Oh, it's an opera and that's what happens. Um, but this specific aria, Vestila Juba means um, put lit- it literally means put on your costume, but in the sense of sort of an, an actor or somebody like preparing themselves per, for a performance and it comes at the end of Act One, right after Pagliacci discovers the affair that's happening. And he sings this aria of, like, even though all this horrible, awful stuff is happening in your personal life, you still have to put on your costume and go perform for the people. Like, dry your tears, put on your smile, put on your laugh. The show must go, go on sort of thing. Yes, yeah, like a show must go on kind of thing, which I think mm-hmm. really does sort of factor into, like, what Jack is doing here mm-hmm. because he's had to like shove like Daniel and SG one aside and, you know, sort of take on this other persona while there's this turmoil, turmoil in his personal life, there's professional shit that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So I think it does actually kind of play into yeah. what's actually Game happening in this show, which is interesting. Game phase. Yeah. Yep. Which is mm-hmm. it. Cause you also don't really think of Jack as an opera guy. I feel like every now and then we do get those little tidbits of like, huh? Okay, you like that. That's cool. Yeah. He's also, I mean, he's also reading Mad Magazine, so maybe that balances out the opera. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. So 
there's some like circular talking between Jack and Mayborn. And basically Jack just needs a little more information about like what exactly this whole thing is that Mayborn is talking about before he just is like, yeah, I'm in sure. 100%. Let's go. It's like, that's, you know, you can't just expect Jack to buy in without giving him any information. Mm-hmm. So Mayborn does tell Jack that if he shows Jack what he's about to show him and Jack decides he doesn't want in, then Jack has to disappear. Okay. Like, like the fishes. Yeah. Like, the mob. like this, this is, this is like, this is like not just class. This is like more than like classified, whatever that might be. Um, so they get on the plane and two of my words, people bring out this box that has one of those commun- Gould communication balls in it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have to negotiate for it, as Mayborn says. And so who exactly is they? Is, is they the NID? And Mayborn's like, not exactly. So Jack's like, well, that explains everything. So Mayborn turns it on and introduces Jack to Newman, to which Jack goes, hello, Newman, as any oh, the, as I mean, any time what, a lover would do. I do not. Mm-hmm. Um and so Newman is temporarily commanding the unit that Mayborn wants Jack to take over because there are apparently multiple units of whatever this team unit is. Jack asks Newman about their mission, and their mission is to, quote-unquote, use whatever means necessary to acquire goods and technology that could help Earth in the battle against the Gould or other unforeseen aggressors. Okay, so what I really want to talk about in here, you know... Okay whatever about the plot line, Ugh, you know, stuff's happening, whatever. I would like to talk about the fact that we finally know how the ball communication devices talk to each other is that it is someone like two people with balls talking, yes. to, each, talking yes. to each other. Yes. Is that we finally see that, but they like screw it up so bad because like they basically make it seem like that dude's head is in a dome like the ball can see all around his head and they turn him around to face the people you know like when they move around the ball yes and that totally does not work if he's talking to him from another ball i know and the other thing is the person in the ball always seems to be when you're looking at the person in the ball they're always like looking up but when you see that person looking into the ball they're looking down into the ball but in the ball they're looking up I don't, it's so not right. camera angles don't line up and it drives me nuts. I know, it's so not right. So, yeah, I'm so excited to finally be like, yes, the ball talks to the ball. ball everything the ball. about that is so wrong. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. We get, we got, we got a little bit of it. You don't see the back of somebody's head. And yeah, the camera angle is all off. Yeah. And like the turning around. Oh. Yeah, because yeah. Jack shouldn't see the back of Newman's head. He should either... Yeah see Newman's face or nothing. No glow behind him or something. But yeah, he should just yeah. see face. Face, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I've decided to I've decided to just wash my feelings of how the Gould communication ball device technology works because we're we're never gonna get I it. Know. I know and I myself cannot ignore those things. I'm like, yeah, whatever plot line. Ball Okay, I'll let I'll let you worry about that. I'll worry about literally everything else. <laughs> yep, I will just worry about balls. Okay, balls and makeup. Yes, balls <laughs> and makeup, both okay. characters and character ball and actual balls. Oh, okay. All so you're, ball. 
Okay, so you're gonna be the ball monitor when Cliff Simon shows up in a couple. I will monitor all balls, all okay. balls from here on out. Gotcha. Good to know. All right, I won't let my Rachel monitor. Rachel's taking out, taking care of all the balls. Does that need to go in our memos? I think so. <laughs> Rachel is monitoring all balls. Okay. <laughs> Rachel's <laughs> ball monitor. Oh, that's going in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, okay. So, um, so Jack then requests more info on the people like he'll be commanding, and Wayborn says he'll agree to do that once Jack agrees to the command. So, uh, yeah, Jack, Jack is in. Sure. Yeah. Jack has bought into whatever Mayborn is selling. But do this. Yep. And at no point in time is. Is Mayborn suspicious? Yeah, nope. Because this is this is what Mayborn wants to have somebody like Jack O'Neill in his clutches. Right. Why would why would Mayborn look a gift horse in the mouth? Yes. No. Ugh. All right. So back at the SGC, Makepeace and Hammond are meeting, and so far Sam's been fine with his command. Uh, but Daniel and the Jaffa aren't on board so much, and Hammond's like, maybe don't call him the Jaffa. I like that one. Yep. Um, so then Jack comes in and basically asks Hammond for one last favor. He would like to retire off world and return to Adora to be with Lara from 100 days. And if this is allowed, because I'm sure this isn't a call just Hammond can make, um, Jack would not be given a GDO, so he'll never be able to return to Earth. Which, do you think that's fair for Jack to not be given a GDO if they, like, let him retire off-world? No, I think they should have left him one because they give them to friendlies from other planets, don't they? Haven't they? Or no? Yeah, I mean, like, like Jacob has one and the Tolan have one. But there's also the fact that Jack has kind of... He's kind of a criminal in the eyes. Like, he he was able to retire without charges actually being brought against him. But if he hadn't retired, he would be in jail. Yeah, he's not really... He's leaving, not really being an asset anymore. Yeah, yeah. Weren't they... I mean, weren't their world supposed to be working on diplomatic relations anyway, though? What do you mean? What, the last last episode we had with those people? Oh, with the door. Yeah. 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 So, I mean... There's a possibility of various SG personnel occasionally visiting Adora for whatever purposes that would entail, but, mm-hmm. but Jack not being able to specific access, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's fair? Mm, in these circumstances, now that we talk it out, I think yes. Okay. I mean, I agree. Also, yes. Unfortunately, but yes. So it seems that Jack has been granted permission to retire on Adora and everyone is gathered in the gate room to say goodbye, except for Daniel, who's like up in the control room, kind of looking over things like, hmm. Like, I get the feeling Daniel's still like, this is something's not right. Like, it's almost like this whole episode is like a staring contest. (laughs) And it's like, what is going on? Who's going to blink? What? Yes. Well, yeah. Um, so everybody salutes Jack as he steps through the gate who, and Jack does not look back. If you notice, like he walks up the ramp, kind of pauses and then just steps through 
without looking back. And I love this shot because it's like side onto the gate. And like you see on like the right side of the screen, he's on Earth, steps to the gate. And the left side of the screen, he's on Adora. I like that too. That was cool. cool. And they've apparently moved the gate on Adora because it's now in this like beautiful forest area rather than the like pit of gravel that it was in before. Yeah. So cool for that. Um, but uh, Jack stays on the door for about two seconds before he runs over to the DHD and dials another address. Where could he possibly be going? He's going to where this weird Rogue ID team is. Mm. And so he steps to the gate and is greeted by, it seems like everybody who's stationed there. And they're like a little ragtag, a little scraggly looking. And Newman's like... I know we don't look great, but we we know what we're doing. And Jack's still a little iffy because he's like, you're stealing things, which, mm, but also like, that's what he was doing before. But anyway, Newman corrects him as to that they acquire what we need to defend our planet. Mm -hmm. So, yep. And so Newman then takes Jack on a little tour of some of the stuff that they've recently, quote unquote, acquired and introduces him to Lieutenant Claire Tobias, and she starts explaining an anti-gravity device that they've recently acquired, and he's like, you remind me of someone. And apparently Sam actually beat her out for the spot at the SGC, and she's actually an engineer, not just a scientist, so she's Mm -hmm. a specific kind of scientist. And uh, her job here is to actually examine the larger items that they steal. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, that they acquire and see if she can figure out how to reverse engineer them and send those plans back to the Earth for those devices then to be built from the ground up. And Newman then comes in and tells Jack that Mayborn has contacted them and wants to talk to Jack. Mm-hmm. So Mayborn has their first mission to PX3595. There is apparently a device that SG9 was unable to negotiate for, so they're just going to go get it because this is what they do. Mm-hmm. A little while later, they're preparing to leave, and Newman gives them the rundown of this mission, and the device is in a cave not far from the gate, and the locals, the Tyrnods, apparently hide from predators in the caves and use the device to vanish in some fashion. Which sounds cool. Yeah. yeah. So they've, they're through the gate and they're in the cave and they're looking around trying to find it. And Newman's box spots it and it's just like propped up delicately on a little cave shelf. <laughs> oh, so conveniently. It's like stuck there. Like, oh, look, got it. Oh, my gosh. And like holds it to his chest and just disappears and then reappears right behind Jack. And I mean, I got to admit, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Wish yeah. I had one myself. Mm-hmm. And Jack comments that the device looks sort of Asgard in, you know, form and stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah, it is. this is an Asgard-protected planet. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. That's yep. awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they're back in their little base, and they have to get this little device back to Earth. And it's small enough that they don't have to worry about reverse engineering it, and they can just do their usual thing of Mayborn telling them where the mole in the SGC will be going on their next mission, and then they just drop it off, and that person picks it up and sneaks it home. So that's another little interesting tidbit of information, that that there is actually a mole in the SGC. Do you find it odd that there's only one, though? That we know of. Mm. I will say that. Mm. Yes, a little bit. I 
I'm like, really? There's just there's just him. Okay. Hmm. There's one we know of. Yeah. That we know of. Yeah. Mm. So um, they pass off some kind of information to a guy named Alex, and Newman says he's ready to go. And Jack's like, you know what? Let me do this one. And as he says, quote unquote, the best way to understand a command is to do every job yourself at least once. Which I mean is true. And true. Is, yeah. yeah, which I think is, and I think like they wouldn't have any reason to be like, are you sure you want it? And like you know, think he's up to something. So right, do every job yourself once, and then you know how to tell other people to do that job. If you will. That's true. Yep. So Jack gates to the drop-off planet and puts the little device in some rocks by the DHD. But before he can leave, there's another incoming wormhole. So Jack goes and hides. And oh my God, it's SG-1. <gasps> Surprise! Who would have thought? I did not see that coming. Um, so... Jack's, you know, looking at them from his cover and Tilk wanders over near the DHD and like looks around, but luckily doesn't pick up the little device. And so they head off to apparently take mineral samples while Jack stayed hidden in some shrubbery near the DHD. They then return to the gate and Sam dials it up while make peace kneels down to quote unquote, tie his shoes and picks up the device. So that damn it. Make peace. Ah, didn't see that coming. So, okay, so here's a question. Do you like that they took Makepeace, this character we'd sort of seen off and on, being a good soldier, if a little kind of rough and tumble, kind of like dude bro-y at times, do you like that they made him the mole rather than just some new person they brought in as a one-off for this specific episode? Um, I do because I mean it does kind of make it less obvious of like what they were doing to try and get to the bottom of it because obviously if they were like here is Sam Joe Bob he's going to be your new commander obviously you'd have been like mole (laughs) right yeah so I do like they that they made it him although I mean they still kind of made it pretty obvious like anyway yeah blended better I guess yeah Yeah, because we have a history with make peace I do think that kind of takes our immediate like you're the bad guy Mm -hmm. notion off of him a little bit Yeah. because like we've seen him like go and save SG-1 from perilous conditions so it's like he's not a bad guy yeah he does the job yeah so he's doing a different job yeah he's got a little side job on the side (laughs) Yeah. Oh, he started the side hustle. Yep. <laughs> we picked the wrong boss. Started the side hustle. Mm-hmm. Although, so it does make me think, though, when I was thinking after the, because I have, um, at the end when this is all over, I kind of have put together in my brain mm-hmm. how the prequel to this episode went down okay. to make all the pieces fit. And okay. so I was trying to think to myself, like, what was the sting really supposed to locate was it how far up this goes is it Mm. you know just who everybody who all the pieces were specifically who the mole was you know like what Mm. what was it supposed to discover yeah I think because it's Jack and Hammond I think they knew their reach couldn't really extend much beyond the SGC specifically 
So I think they just wanted to find who in the SGC was culpable in this scenario and hopefully get that person to talk and then tell them how high up the chain this went. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. 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 Okay. I have other thoughts, but we'll talk about it when this all done. Okay. So once SG-1 heads off, Jack goes back to the off-world base, and just as he leaves, we see an Asgard being down and read the address off of the DHD. Mm-hmm. So not only are the Tolans involved, apparently also the Asgard are involved. I do love how they tried to do, like, they have the little Asgard, Asgard puppet, and they, like, do the little narrowing of the eyes, like, trying to give him a suspicious mm. type expression. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know what's happening here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which the other thing is, like, the Asgard is just seeing seven symbols lit up on the DHD. He doesn't know what order those buttons got pushed in. Well, we so, don't know how long he had been watching. There's some calculate. There's uh, unless they have, you know, like a database like we do, and they can be like, here's the seven symbols. What order? Chances makes are they went there. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so Jack gets back to the off-world base, and he says that you know the coordinates were right, but the timing was all wrong. When suddenly there's like a rumbling noise, and the base starts shaking, and Jack just walks over to dial the DHD, and Newman's like, "You can't do that. We're not supposed to dial the DHD without Mayborn telling us to." And Lieutenant Lieutenant Tobias comes running in and tells everyone that there's an Asgard ship in orbit, and we see the Asgard start beaming away all of the items that have been stolen and Jack's like, Hey, surprise, we figured it out. So you can either come with me back to earth or you can stay here. And once the Asgard are done beaming up the stuff, they're going to beam up people. That's probably not a good thing, but either way, he's going to be holding the door open on the other end. So you can't go anywhere else. Yep. And I do like that. He did manage to get like a punch in on Newman a little bit. Yeah. Of course, you know, everybody decides to go back with Jack and are immediately put in restraints upon their return. And, like, SG-1 and... and Jack really does, like, stick his hand in the thing. Like, to keep yeah. the door open. Yeah, okay. To so, here's, here's the debate about that. So, like, we saw just last week in 100 days, Malp goes through, Malp falls back through the wormhole from the wrong end and gets disintegrated. How is Jack's arm not disintegrated? Is it because it's not his whole arm? Like, how does this work? Sticking something through the wrong side of the wormhole keeps the door open. How? Because you can't send stuff backwards. I don't. I don't know. Is it just sense that there's matter in general in the wormhole stream and therefore keeps the maybe as he was going through he never took his hand fully out of it and it went that way so no because as we've learned the gate only sends whole matter streams and also if you when jack is leaving the planet he runs through like face forward just like runs straight through and doesn't sort of like sidle through the gate Mm. so he wouldn't have exited the gate and been able to like leave his arm behind True. he would have exited as his whole self and then had to like stick his arm back through after he was fully reintegrated as his whole body self yeah that doesn't make sense how he was able to do that no no, no. i'm just gonna go with even though it's the wrong way the stargate senses that there is matter in the wormhole and 
therefore keeps the wormhole active. We'll go with that the wormhole knows that it's maybe because it's organic matter. Oh, that's mouth, interesting. The mouth was not organic matter. Right. Oh, that's interesting. I don't think I've ever thought about it in those terms before. That could be, I like that. Mm. That could work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because maybe that's how they got the harpoon to work, too. In that it know. wasn't organic. Hmm. Very interesting. Hmm. I'm going to have to be thinking about that now every time we see <laughs> stuff going through the gates. Organic Is it versus organic or organic? Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Throw that little tidbit out there. Okay. <laughs> um so anyway so of course you know they also had to go back jack and are immediately put in restraints upon their return and like sg1 is there like till can we see make peace there and so jack asks make peace for one of their restraints and immediately puts those restraints on make peace <gasps> surprise! surprise we knew it was you ha 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 so uh, General Hammond then comes in with Sam and Daniel and announces, ladies and gentlemen, I'm pleased to announce that you're all under arrest for high crimes against the United States and its allies. Yay. <laughs> I was like, bravo. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm pleased to announce is just what yeah. gets me that. We do also see Chancellor Travell and that other Tolan woman come there, come into the gate room and sort of observe this whole thing. Does that mean they've been there the whole time? I, do, I think they went home and then, because I think like, it's been. No, up in the week. Yeah, I think it's been like at least a week since Jack stole the thing from Tolana. Mm-hmm. And then they got word somehow. Okay, here's the other thing, though. When Jack leaves after the, like the Asgard show up and start taking stuff, Jack doesn't have a GDO. So how was the iris not closed and they were all mosquitoes splatted against the iris Ooh, that's a good call well maybe did the asgard maybe just because maybe just because they could tell where the wormhole was coming from and they were like okay this is the base this is jack maybe maybe like did the asgard radio in and be like hey they're coming home or something maybe but the asgard were like it's on bitch incoming right now <laughs> incoming maybe maybe Anyway, yeah. Um, but anyway, so Maypeace is like, you're making a mistake. We need all this stuff. And Jack just goes, we don't need their stuff, Maypeace. We do need them, which sounds so Daniel. I love it. I love yeah, it. I love it. Love like, it. you're back. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, SG1 is very confused by this. And Daniel's like, so the whole thing on Talana with that really amazing speech I spent so long working on was just all all a ruse. And I, well, yes. So apparently what had happened was the Tolan and the Asgard both separately came to the SGC within like a couple weeks of each other with evidence that the SGC supposedly was stealing from them. Luckily, they were able to convince their allies that it must be some rogue group and not like this is not something the SGC would actually sanction and to give them a chance to prove themselves. And they they couldn't tell the rest of SG-1 the plan because they needed their reactions to Jack's behavior to be as real as possible to ensure the mole or whoever would reach out to try and recruit Jack would believe like what was happening 
And also the Asgard insisted that only Jack be involved because they really like Jack for some reason. So I like that. Yeah. They like me. They like me. What can I say? Yeah. yeah. So Jack is back. Yay. Yay. Um, he then pulls Daniel aside to apologize for like what happened at his house. But, you know, the place was bugged and Dan's like, it's fine. It's, you know, but Jack really does appreciate that Daniel was the one who went to go visit him. And, you know, it really, it really means something to Jack that it was Daniel. And Dan is like, not really. Cause that she won drew straws and he lost. That's, like, the only time so far I have enjoyed the little, like, oh, <laughs> quip at the end of, like, oh, we're okay again. <laughs> Here's my oh, question, I though. I really, really enjoyed it. Did they draw straws, or is that Daniel just fucking with Jack and Sam and Tilk playing along? Um, because there I is debate. There is I, debate among fandom about whether they actually drew straws or if that's just Daniel just getting a little something back. Um, I'm going with they really did draw straws. Okay, but did Dan? So did Daniel lose or did Daniel win? No. Ooh. Hmm. Mm. He lost. Okay. Hmm. None of them wanted to go. Actually, that's probably not true, but they probably all wanted to go, and he's the one that won. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, really, if you think about it, there's no way Tilt could go on his own. There's no way Sam, as a military and Jack being her commanding officer, there's no way Sam would feel comfortable going. So of all of the members of FG1, Daniel really is the only one who could go to yeah. visit him and figure out what was going on. So yeah. that's why I think they did not draw straws. I'm, and I'm Daniel the, was just like, meh. Daniel's just like, I need to know what's going on with my friend because this is not right. So yeah. I'm going to go do it. Mm-hmm. Because his behavior is not right. Yeah. 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 Probably. Mm-hmm. But I just like the idea of I I just like the scene in my brain where they're picking yeah. straws. <laughs> I mean, it is an amusing scene it. to think about. Okay. I, I mean, you can it. keep it. We have no evidence for the contrary, <laughs> other than just fan and theories. Whatever makes you happy. It also plays a really good scenario in my brain where Teal loses. <laughs> And he has to go check on Jack, and he just kind of shows up, and it's just them, like, staring at each other across the couch. <laughs> and then and then Teal's like, okay. <laughs> and because that is what would happen. They would just stare at each other, and Teal would be like, okay, bye. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's enjoyable to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, overall, so... This episode, so the the whole overarching thing of this episode is, do we have a right to take what is necessary to defend against a threat as horrible and awful as the Gould are? Is that something we should be doing when we know technology and things exist that can defeat the Gould and they don't want to give it to us? Do we have a right to just go get it? Peril of the entire planet. Yes. Ah, <sighs> I still say no. We do not. Okay. Yeah. I'm on the. Yeah. I'm with you. With the. We don't need their stuff. We do need them. I'm, yes. I'm on that side of the argument. Yeah. But I think that's why this episode's called Shades of Grey because it is very easy to see both sides of this argument and try and and you know. It's not necessarily really clear cut 
good bad kind of scenario like this is stuff that we need we do if you really want to look at it that way this is stuff we need why can't we have it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i think i i mean i think this also always plays into like we were talking about during season 1 where whenever in sci-fi shows, typically, whenever we encounter somebody that's way more technologically advanced, they're always like, oh, you're young, you're learning, we possibly, we can't, we can't, no, no, no. But whenever we encounter someone who is much less technologically advanced, if we don't help them, and if we were to be like, oh, no, you're young, whatever, you're developing, we would just look like assholes. <laughs> yeah. And, like, and I had always found that interesting. So, like, if we turned it around and we were like, what if you know, one of those less technologically advanced planets stole a nuclear warhead from us, how would we react? Yeah, I mean, I, and I guess does it make a difference if it's weapons versus defensive stuff? Like, is stealing the thing that makes you go invisible less bad than, like, an ion cannon? I mean, yes, but it's still stealing. I know, yeah. <laughs> it is still stealing. <laughs> but it is as bad as stealing an ion cannon. I don't know. Okay. Uh, memos for this week? Other than, oh, wait, what was it? Rachel well, <laughs> is the ball. Rachel is the manager of balls. Ball monitor. Ball monitor. Oh. <laughs> so I was thinking about how <laughs> the scenario all went down to make all the pieces fit. Okay. I think what yeah. happened is yes. Jack and Hammond went to the Pentagon and they gave them their pitch mm-hmm. for... Um, for, you know, the backup other planet. Yes. And stop me if I'm wrong, because obviously I do not remember if any of this actually comes back in a different context. So they go to the Pentagon and they give them their pitch for the secondary location. Then the SGC is contacted by their other cultures about stealing stuff. And they mm-hmm. like, they're like, well, obviously it isn't us. So obviously it has to be the other gate and you know what sort of money is going so then they go back to the pentagon and the pentagon is like what are you talking about we gave you the funding for this and we put mayborn in charge of it so i'm going with that project actually was approved they put mayborn in charge and the whole time mayborn's doing a bait and switch of like Yes, I'm taking all that money you gave me and creating a top <gasps> secret facility. Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. Meanwhile, doing the bait and switch of like, whatever, we're just going to go get shit. That is very interesting. I did not think of that at all. So that's kind of why I was thinking in my head, what was the sting supposed to do? Because of the start for the SGC was the other cultures coming to them and being like, hey, you guys are stealing stuff, stop it. And they were like, obviously it's not us, it has to be someone else with a gate. Then they would have probably backtracked the money and figured out it was Mayborn. Mm -hmm. So was the Sting supposed to find if it was anybody above Mayborn? Was the Sting Mm. supposed to find out who Mayborn recruited? Was Mm. the Sting supposed to find out if there was anyone in the SGC helping him? Like, where does that all fit? But I'm going to go with, in my head, how the initial pieces happened. Okay. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, I... See, I took it as 
like the like the proposal to the Pentagon did happen, but even that was a ruse. Like they went to the Pentagon and were like, "Hey, we're gonna tell you this stuff. You need to deny us because of other stuff." Mm-hmm. And that and that going to the Pentagon and the Pentagon's denial of their plan was still part of the ruse. So pe- the Pentagon wasn't funding anything for Mayborn to siphon other than what Mayborn is already doing. Yeah, but like. You got to figure out where where that gate access was coming from and where all that money for the other facility was coming from. Well, I mean, he said it was an offshoot, but yeah. So, I mean, so so right now, the secondary gate is in the possession of the SGC. Like it is under lock and key right now after the events of Touchstone, which is where we first saw Newman, where we first Mm -hmm. saw Newman. Um, Right. And they didn't return tire. They did not return fire and touchstone like he says they did. They did not. So I think when like Newman and those people jumped through, they were the last people of that that group that were on that other planet that were here on Earth. So I think the only communication that those people have with Earth is through the ball. I don't think they're coming to Earth through a Stargate of any kind. So okay, so they would have gone with the logic of the technology was making it back purely from the mole. Yes. Either because the device itself was small and should drop off or they made plans and put it on like a thumb drive or paper or something. Mm. I don't think anybody that was in that off world rogue unit was ever coming back to earth through a start. Mm. Yeah, maybe. See, that's the interesting thing is there's like a million different ways you can think about this and they all work and they all make sense. I know. Like, <laughs> Now I'm trying to think of when's the next time we see that secondary gate of maybe they are using it. And we don't know if it's supposedly locked up in the government again. We know it. We know that goes wonky or that we, can go wonky. We I think we don't see it until season six. Yeah. When it goes international. When it's with the Russians. What yeah. I, which season is that? Um Watergate is what season is this? Please tell me what season this is. Oh, wait. No, that's next season. Is that next season? No. Hold on. But yeah, you know, if they if they did have access to either the gate, they wouldn't really have to go with the ruse of smuggling it. They oh. would just be able to pass stuff through. Um, yeah, no, the the other gate comes well, in 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 Watergate the Russians recover a Stargate, quote unquote. Mm. No, that's right. No, Watergate, they recover, they get the gate that was on Apophis's ship when Apophis's ship blew up and then crashed into, like, the ocean. That's oh. the gate the Russians have. Yeah, I I mean, like, we don't see Mayborn again until, like, season six. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, like, we never see Makepeace again, which actually is actually kind of sad. I kind of I kind of liked well, him. He turns out to be a dirty, dirty, thieving, dirty man. I know, but still, but yeah, I don't, yeah, we don't see, we don't really get any kind of resolution sort of after this um, until like season six, I think, when Mayborn comes back. Hmm. I think that's when he comes back. Let me double check something. Oh no, Mayborn does appear in Watergate. That's that's the next season one with the Russians. Hmm. And what's this episode? That's also season four. Huh. So we don't see him for quite a while. So we see him. Well, we see him at the beginning of next season. I thought it was longer. Apparently not. 
Okay. Apparently I have forgotten some stuff. <gasps> oh, no. That's my job. I know. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, we're not going to get any, like, additional resolution for a little while. Hmm. Um, with, like, Mayborn and everything that happened here. Yeah. All right. Although, so then I'm, I'll, sticking, I'm sticking to the story that makes sense in my head. Okay. I the will not argue with real that. and Mayborn does the bait and switch. Okay. And I'm going to stick with the story that makes sense in my head. Alrighty then. Okay. <laughs> and that's what's great about sci-fi shows. Because it, it all is. works out. Yup. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So memos. We have Rachel is the ball monitor. Yes. Anything, anything else? Uh, yeah. I just, I just had so many problems with the ball. Okay. Balls. Is that it? Is just balls this week? Yeah. Okay. This week was all about balls for Rachel. Okay. So but the episode. Other than that, I liked it. I liked the episode. Oh, sorry. I'm <gasps> just giving my final comments. I liked well, it. It's I not it time for good. final comments yet. Oh my god! All right. What was it called? Another country. Um. Okay. So this was Shades of Grey, which I did try to see if I could figure out like where the like you know the phrase Shades of Grey originated from, and there's nothing out there. Like apparently it's just a thing that has always existed. Well, are you like, getting a whole bunch of Fifty Shades of Grey stuff I now? I mean, there is that. <laughs> I know, like I I just siphoned through all that stuff first. So, but yeah, like I cannot find anything that knows anything about like the origin of like Shades of Grey. Either with the E or the A. Neither spelling. Can't find anything. Hmm. Um, so, but uh, foreign territories in French-speaking countries, this was called betrayals. Oh. In Spanish, it was neither white nor black. Oh, I like that. <laughs> in Hungarian, it was... <laughs> in Hungarian, it was dark matters. Oh. That's quite ominous. <gasps> I like that one. Yeah. In German... <laughs> We have O'Neill going astray. <laughs> Thanks. Yep. Like <laughs> Pretty straightforward there with the Germans. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, final thoughts, Rachel. Lay mommy. Yes. Oh. Oh, man. Now you can give it to me. Do I, do I need additional final thoughts? Other than I just, I generally liked it. Yeah. I mean, I, there were, there were definitely plot holes, but there were plot holes that, I could figure out in my brain. Yes. Hence my whole scenario. Yep. I like this one. Yeah. As I said earlier, I like this one a lot. This is one of my favorites for sure of all of the Stargate episodes. So. Of all time. So if you were any of the other members of SGC and you saw this happening at any point in time, would you go to Jack and be like, what is wrong with you? Something is off. Something is going on. You got to tell me what it is, because this is just crazy pants, because none of them really do that until Daniel goes and talks to him later. Well, I mean, I think as is like Daniel's the only one who could. No, like, I'm saying like before before oh. he gets kicked out, you know, forcefully retired, as it were. Even then, in that scenario, only Daniel could say something, really, because Sam. Well, you, think, you think Sam would be able to be like permission to free, speak freely, sir? What the what is fuck is wrong with, with you? What is going on with you? <laughs> that could happen. I mean, I think maybe they're just all so stunned because this is all like seemingly out of left field as far as they're concerned that they're just completely flabbergasted and have no idea 
what to think at all. And hence Sam's like, is there anything I can do thinking maybe there's something wrong and he needs help with something? And then, you know, Jack just brushes that off. Is like, no, this is actually me. And then I think that would just throw that just, you know, throws her for another loop of like, what? Just, you know, whiplash left and right with Jack's behavior. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I wonder at what point in time where they're like, okay, it's go time. Crazy pants now. Like, was he acting completely normal until that meeting? And then he was like, nope, we're done. I'm done. I'm out. Or or did he at least try to start of like. Yeah, like when no, they're on their way. Snowball was, into crazy. Yeah, like on their way was he like, I bet they're really going to agree to give us that eye on candy. You know how, you know. Awesome they are at sharing things. Not. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. was he was he laying the groundwork in the week up to this mission, I think? Yeah. I mean, I think he would have had to. So, so it wasn't. That so. Like, if he had been doing that for a while, then people wouldn't have been so stunned. And like, what are you doing? I mean, I mean, if you do look back, there are moments of Jack being like, really, you can't you can't give us something. Just just something, yes. you know, and like. The the thing that's believable about this is it's not really totally completely out of left field. Like there are little things here and there. And as I said, this may have just been the straw that broke the camel's back for Jack, where it's like, we saved your butts. Like you would be exploded and all dead if we did not save your butts. We deserve something in reward for doing that. And then being like, we will shake hands and be friends. And Jack's like, that's not good enough. There are moments that makes what Jack does believable. True. Do you suppose that he was excited to do it? It's like, <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! I get to be a real I, asshole this week. Yay! I finally get to break out my inner monologue. <laughs> Let's put those improv classes to use. <laughs> oh, I finally get to tell all of you what I've been thinking the whole time. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that might have been partially what he was saying to Sam of like, this is me. Yeah. Like, I don't think that was totally a lie. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Anyway. All right. Is that it? Did we do it? That Ooh. is it. We did it. We did the thing. <laughs> Yay. We did the thing. All right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch or send us an email at woo. That's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for New Ground. Bye. Bye.